coming straight from the cockpit. It's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go. All right, back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe. And this time, I got a tall, sexy motherfucker for y'all this time. I'm not even going to, yeah, let's just get into it. Who the fuck are you and what do you do? Um, my name is Rafa, Rafael Schweiger. Oh, yeah. I, I fly in wind tunnels and occasionally skydive, I suppose. And occasionally skydive and fly. You say it like you just fly in wind tunnels. You do shit in wind tunnels that's not fucking human. Yeah, I, I practiced a lot. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, which is amazing because somebody as short and fat as you that's just not built for a wind tunnel, it's amazing that you can do the things that you do because you don't have any natural aptitude for it at all. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a subject for itself. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it's quite obvious that there is probably some body types that make it easier, but... There is many, many examples where they completely disprove that theory. You know, like there's some of the best flyers are like little bulky, short, almost fat looking humans that like they defy all the laws of gravity, you know, so. Yeah, but see, you, <laughs> you, you can't say that shit because my excuse for being a shit tunnel flyer all this time is that I'm short and too heavy. So don't fuck with my little, my little bubble. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> before we get too deep into it, I want to jump all the way into the back. I want to know how you got started. Well, first off, where you're from, what your your background is, and how you got started in anything extreme, um, including, of course, skydiving and tunnel flying. Um, okay. So how do I shortcut that? Um, I grew up in uh, south of Germany, and uh, I guess I've always been into somewhat moving things, you know, like riding the bike, I mean, like jumping on, on the dirt or skateboarding or whatever. Sure. And, and um, just to cut all the crap, I ended up moving to Canada when I was like 16, 17 years old and uh, went to like a kind of military-ish boarding school, I could call it. Okay. And there, uh, the whole concept of what school was kind of changed because they're very pushy in the sports. You start realizing that all you have to do is be good in sports and you kind of get all the credit and res like respect in the school. So that's something that came quite easy. So then I all of a sudden started being like, I can do this, you know, and explored a bunch of different things. And um, I mean, I've always done lots of lots of sports, but here all of a sudden you got a reward for doing it. It wasn't just for yourself anymore. Right. And uh, I guess it, it gave me the first, um, the first real insights into competition and all that kind of stuff. The first interest really in it. So I started doing small, like, uh, regional competitions in, in biathlon or snowboarding and that kind of stuff, or track and field, you know, like, kind of stuff you would do when you go to high school in Canada or America. Sure. Um, and uh, and that, that's kind of like the, the, say, how I got the first interest in competition. Then going to university still in Canada, I got into martial arts quite intensively, like uh, Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu, and, like, I don't know, I really enjoyed the philosophy of that somehow. Sure. Like, there's no link between all the stuff that I did before, you know, it just ended up now the whole puzzle pieces came together and the flying, I suppose, which is quite nice. But uh, I guess that at that point, uh, it was all about martial arts for a few years. Uh, then all of a sudden I discovered flying, you know, when I was like, I don't know, 19-ish. Okay. And, uh, and then it became more about flying. Or, you, know, you know how you, you start slow and then you go like, okay, so how can I make this? more efficient or how can I actually, you know, fly more in the tunnel because at that point it was like, especially this was almost 10 years ago. So imagine you want to fly an hour in the tunnel. It used to be like 
like twice the money that it is nowadays, right? right. So I would, okay, how do I go? How do I get good at this without selling my speakers each time, or <laughs> you know, selling selling your belongings so that you can afford an hour of tunnel time? And so the conclusion was working in the tunnel at that point. So there wasn't many of these tunnels around. Okay. So it was quite the battle, but for whatever it is that I'm training. Uh, it meant that I have uh, time to, you know, work other stuff, friends. Before I even got into the sport professionally, I was just paying my tunnel time, sure. skydives, and it was all a beautiful part of it, you know, like. Oh, I seem to be losing your uh, your audio. Can you still hear me, bro? Yeah, it was cutting in and out bad for a second there. That's okay. I can clean that up. So you uh, you had said you you were working, the, <laughs> you were doing the tunnel time, and you ended up going to Spain, you said. But that's pretty much it. That's where I basically cut the story. I mean, then I had my first tunnel job in Spain around 2012, like 2012, 2013. And then all of a sudden I landed where I am now. So that's, wow. that's like so, the last seven, eight years flew by, man. They're just like flying, 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 flying. And sure. Well, I mean, it that's fucking, been life it fucking shows. <laughs> it shows for sure. Now, um, so it's kind of funny because I I knew you were born in Germany. I didn't know that you had as much time in Canada, which explains a fair amount because you're one of the least German Germans I know. Um, <laughs> well, I'm half French. You can't forget that part. So I'm like, I grew up already not fully German. And then I, I lived in Canada for five years, you know, like high school and university and all that stuff. So. Well, so, and and I hate to stereotype uh, by country and stuff, but in it matches in German the way the the precision that you have when it comes to flying, because you are very very precise in your flying, which of course is a very German trait, being precise. But then you sit and talk yeah. to you outside the tunnel, and you have a sense of humor, and you joke, and you <laughs> you're you're slightly fucked in the head. Which is very not German, so that, that must be the French. <laughs> exactly, definitely. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting because it's not something you actually want to do, right? Like, you just have your weird personality traits that, I mean, even if you try to fight them, they just come out. And so, in a way, it's ironic because, like you said, uh, everybody does identify that quality in, in whether it's the coaching or, like, you know, when I'm teaching myself or whatever. Uh, I would say it's almost on the on the point where it's too much. Sure. But the precision, like it's it's the it's the thing. I mean, I can see now when I'm like converting this car that I'm doing, like a camper, like mini camper conversion. I mean, I could probably already be done, but I haven't even put the floor in because I gotta have everything by the millimeter and it's gotta be clean and then you know, like <laughs> it's actually annoying, man. You know, it's uh, so too it's, much. So for you, it's almost a, a personality tick. Fucking German shit, damn it. <laughs> That's pretty exactly. funny. Exactly. So now, actually, yeah. let me ask, because you're saying you're you're converting this car, and anybody that's listened to this podcast knows we talk about skydiving and, and tunnel flying and all that stuff, but I also want to know about all the other shit. This is, you know, it's a bonfire chat, so I want to find out what people are doing in the rest of their lives as well. So what the fuck have you been doing in this lockdown? First off, where have you been for the lockdown, and how have you not gone completely insane? Uh, I have gone completely insane, and that's actually not a joke. <laughs> like, uh... I had a really messed up time, man. I, I had a tunnel camp in end of February, uh, just after I saw you know uh, mid-February, I went to Munich. In Munich, I have some family, my brother, for example, and uh, I had a tunnel camp there. So I was coaching and uh, wasn't feeling so good during the week, uh, but you know, like just not feeling great. But uh, it turned out, you know, after crashing pretty bad and consulting with a bunch of doctors, turned out I had a like half collapsed lung Holy the shit. whole time. 
So that was like end of February, and then I spent a few days in the hospital. Like it actually somewhat fixed itself. And um, well, then then the the COVID stuff started, like the whole Corona right. bullshit. Right at that point, I'm there like in and out of hospitals with a half collapsed lung slash thing is healing itself. So it's like going in between. Do they need to do surgery? Do they need to put a drainage? Is it going to be okay by itself? And Corona is exploding. Sure. So I'm in Munich at that point. And they were like, all right, we're going to close the borders to Poland. And uh, I don't know if anybody knows this. I live, I currently have my apartment in Poland, you know, a girlfriend in Poland and so on. So it's kind of the place I want to spend, you know, my, my lockup. Right. And at the same time, when it comes to medical stuff, for numerous reasons, I'd rather be in Germany because it's my language. The doctors speak my language. Sure. Uh, I trust the medical system. My insurance is German, et cetera, et cetera. So my decision was to stay in Germany to, you know, whatever happens with the lung, I'm there. Right. Um, so there I'm in basically pure terror. Sure. Like fully terrified. Not sure what to do. So it did mess me up quite bad. Uh, so I got stuck with my brother for the whole two months. Ended up having to do a lung surgery at the end of it all. And, uh, Jesus fucking Christ, it, man. It, no, man. Like it, it, it hailed shit for the last three months. But so the last one month now, it's been great. Life has been normal. I'm training normal. I'm back in Poland, flying, doing my stuff. It's cool, you know, but there was, uh, it was, it was really hectic, dude. It was to the point that I didn't even want to talk or share it because it was just like, well, it just didn't stop me. Well, especially for somebody like you that, I mean, your entire life revolves around this insane athletic pace that you keep up and, and it's go, 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 yeah. go, go. So it's not just getting sick. It's really getting sick. Of course, you don't want to share that shit. I mean, I was hounding you to try and get you on the podcast a couple of months ago and your response yeah. was basically, I got some hell shit going on maybe later. <laughs> yeah, but but like... It was like that, you know, it was kind of like, dude, right now, uh, but any, because all I would have been able to talk about is like how fucked up life is right now. <laughs> and how fucked up, everything is exploding. But um, it's like you say, that's, that's the hardest part. I mean, it's, it's hard for anybody, but of course, when your entire identity, your, your character, your personality is based around what you can do physically, yeah, then it's, it's really, um, well, it becomes a mental problem when you can't express yourself physically, right? Sure. So um, I suppose it was a little bit of my, my mistake. I tried to avoid that surgery as much as I could. I could have done it right in the first moment. Like, you know, right in February, I could have, they offered me like a emergency surgery and just get it done. Right. But I just tried to avoid it by all costs. And then I did it two months later. So in a way, I could have saved myself two months of probably, you know, moving on. But whatever, it, it, it was the way that it was. Um, but uh, they, they are not used to working with like highly motivated people that, that like to move. So, you know, I kept asking like, dude, are you sure I can move? And I mean, for example, they were like, uh, the, the day of the surgery, they, I had like a huge tube in my chest, sure. like weird stuff out of it, right? And they're like, yeah, you should definitely move around. And I was like, move around means what? Go for a walk right. around the hospital. I can go outside. Okay. Right. Wait, wait I, I lost you again. No, like, you know, they're, I was just questioning to be sure. Yeah, what does it mean? Can I walk stairs? Right. They're like, yeah, definitely. You should stairs. So then they found me in this, like, walking up and down, like, three flights, up, like, like, three staircases up and down, up and down, up and down. So they're like, dude, how many have you done? Like, I don't know. I've been here for a while. And they're like, yeah, but it's like, you've just had surgery. You should chill out. It's like, but you told me to move. <laughs> you know, so 
then they, then they realize that they're talking to a bit of a of an idiot. Which <laughs> if they don't tell me exactly what to do, then right, I'm gonna do that. Like so, they they sent me home a few days later, and they were like, yeah, I mean, basically your body should be able to handle just about any amount of uh, of exercise now in in a week from now. So. Like, you know, just go easy. And so I was like, what does it mean go easy? It's like, well, just don't train 100%. I was like, so can I go for a run? They're like, look, it's quite simple. You can try and then you will understand. <laughs> so I went home. A few days later, I went for a run and I thought I'm dying for the next two days. You know, like my body was just telling me like, dude, sit down. Don't move the next one week. That's it. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Major fucking surgery. That's a big goddamn deal. Most people would yeah. be like, how long can I stay on the couch before you're going to yeah. make me get up? You, you didn't want to hit the couch. Now, did they, no, what caused it? Like, what was the reason behind it or did they know? Mm, they don't really know. It's like, uh, they call it a spontaneous pneumothorax where basically you, you have these like, little bubbles that form on the membrane of your lung skin mm. like of uh, whatever and uh, with uh, certain kind of pressures um like inside of the lung let's say you know imagine you're doing a a squat with 100 kilos on top of you and you're breathing wrong like you have the lung super pressurized i guess could be one of the reasons for one of these little bubbles on the lung membrane to pop mm. which creates a level and then you have basically air escaping the lung and fitting the gap between lung and chest wall uh, which kind of makes the lung collapse. Wow. Uh, yeah, so they don't really exactly know what causes these bubbles. They, it's, it's a super common thing to happen, or super common not, but the, the people where it happens are usually tall, skinny men between the age of 18 and 35 that are quite athletic. However, usually it's like 90% smokers. So there's a, like, I mean, I used to smoke a lot. I when I was younger and so on, like, but, but not anymore. So, I mean, long story short, nobody knows why it happens. And what they do in the surgery is they basically remove these parts with the bubbles. So they cut off a few small pieces of the lung. Okay. And then they, like, not to get too in, like, into the detail, long story short, they scrape off the skin of your chest wall. Okay. Creates like a inflammation. And then they glue that piece of like the lung, the left lung, they, which was my problem. They glue it onto the chest so that basically cannot really collapse anymore. Wow. It's like kind of, to shortcut it so it's it is quite a big surgery but they you know for the surgeons it's always funny because they're like no man it's super routine like you know it's not a big deal just don't worry about it yeah. you go like yeah for you you're doing five of them a day but i don't man yeah like, no shit you're gluing my lung <laughs> to the inside of my yeah. chest it's kind of a big yeah. fucking deal well i mean it's, I, I, it sounds to me like when you describe the people that are susceptible to it that it was basically in a textbook it would just have your fucking name as chances are oh, no, this guy's got it dude, but like 100%. Actually, so I had this super weird noise coming out of my chest. It was like a ticking synchro, synchro to my heartbeat. Like so naturally, I went to a hospital, like uh, two different places because I just felt absolute crap. You know, like I couldn't walk 10 meters without feeling I'm, like I'm going to faint. Right. And so I went to the hospital, but they did all the vital checks and they said I'm completely okay. So at some point you go like, well, I went to two hospitals and say it's okay, but I have this weird noise coming out of my chest. So I'm going to go to um, like a heart doctor. Right. And the heart doctor, he did all the heart checks and he's like, look, your heart is okay, but I need to do, I'm going to do a bunch of tests. And he had the intelligence to connect this uh, stereotype for this pneumothorax, like to me being this perfect example of the stereotype. Right. And he made that connection. So he actually, a heart doctor sent me to do a, a CT scan and 
they then sent me to the hospital. So, yeah. Oh, well, fuck. I mean, hey, th- there's a lot of really good doctors out there. There's some pretty shit ones, too, but I'm glad you found a good one and that you're back uh, up and, and got it done. You know, it's cool you say that. I mean, I have this uh, golden rule of, I'm, I mean, some people are going to hate me for it, but it's the 95 to 5. It's like there's, like, in any sport or art, like, job whatever it is we're talking about there's 95 percent of absolute garbage like people don't do their job good they don't do the sport good so there's 95 of 95 percent of shitty cooks or <laughs> shitty pilots right then there's four percent that are really good and there's one percent that is excellent that sure. is my rule and have that in any sport in any restaurant in cooking in any doctor any pilot and yeah man like finding that one percent of excellence in any in any aspect of life is very very difficult right so of course if you have somebody that's going to do a surgery you want to find that one percent of the right. guy that, has, that the guy that's 60 years old and has done forty thousand of those surgeries in his life and he's like doing it eyes closed that's the guy you want to find that's just like in coaching you want to have the guy with the most experience the most anal brain the most comprehension for what teaching means and so on right and that's in our super small sport, when we're going to that rule of 95 to 5 or even to that 1%, yeah. dude, it leaves you without. Yeah, for sure. Well, and especially when it comes to doctors. I mean, I've had amazing doctors and I've had some shit doctors as well. I went in after uh, uh, one of the injuries that I had skydiving. I broke my tailbone, went into the hospital, and uh, uh, the doctor comes in to examine me, asked me what happened. I said that I had a, a hard landing skydiving, and she said, skydiving? Did your parachute not open? And my response was, dude, can I get another doctor? Or, or the, you know, the nurse that will look at my sleeve tattoo right before she's giving me a shot and ask me if I'm scared of needles. Yeah, yeah but okay. In her defense, there is a difference between getting a tattoo. And I mean, I give you an example. Like uh, two weeks ago, I went to the hospital because I had like ridiculous back pain. I mean, in retrospective, I went like skating every day and face planted 20 times per day right. and surfing. And like, you know, it was not two months after surgery. So I was still a bit weak. And I had like my back just cramp up. But anyways, I went to the hospital because it was so bad that I couldn't like breathe properly. And I didn't, I just wanted to rule out that it's got anything to do with the lung. Right. And I go to the hospital and I'm like, I can't even take my t-shirt off. And I'm trying to like talk to like a normal doctor. And I got these, like, you know, it's the same thing. Like there's the, one of the nurses came up to me and she wanted to take blood from my aorta. No, what am I saying? From my, from my artery, yeah, yeah. you know, like in, in my, in my wrist. And I was like, but why do you need to take it from my artery? Can you just take it from the vein? And she's like, no, no, we need to do this special stuff. She missed my artery three times. <laughs> At that point, I was like, can you like not do that? Right. Right. She's like, well, I can also just do it with this, uh, you know, the thing they put on your finger to measure the, the blood oxygen. Right. I have like literally blood pouring out of my wrist because she missed my, like, like and she goes to me like, I'm sorry, but why are you like so so negative <laughs> because like you just stop doing what you're doing i was just like man i wanted to like take the needle and stab her with it but yeah, yeah oh i've had yeah, you got anywhere man that's that's just how it goes but it's kind of ironic because then you want to like you really do start questioning if you even want to go to the hospital if you've got a problem or if it's gonna like yeah because anyways most of the time you're like i have back pain they're gonna be like well then then don't do anything that engages your back. Yeah, man. yeah. Take a panadol and lay <laughs> <No>. down. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and I think that's part of uh, um, the sports that we've decided to get into is they just inherently 
you end up sore or in pain or with a twisted neck or a shoulder or something. I mean, I've injured myself, not seriously, but tweaked something literally more times than I can count. So pain is a constant friend, especially as I get older. Yeah, well, the, the, the getting older part, it plays a role for sure. Like, uh, I, I have an easy time saying that because, I mean, I'm just turning 30. So I guess for most people, I'm young. But if you if you put a lot of stress in your body your whole life, then 30 is actually, like, I can feel probably, <laughs> I can say that I feel old sometimes, right? Sure. Anyway, what, what, I'm, what I did figure out, though, is when I was a little punk just getting into all the flying and so on, I, I neglected every, every form of movement that there is. I just flew and skydived. And yes, like you said, it's a quite traumatic sport. Sure. A hard open, like you have quite a, like any opening is actually hard. Even if you have the soft opening, it's still quite a, you know, it puts pressure on you. So uh, what I realized now over the last years is I have started training a lot. I learned a lot about physiotherapy and, and chiropractic and body mechanics and so on. And I, I figured out my body quite a lot better than, than ever before. And, and I mean, the injuries that you see very often in, in our sport, if we can call it a sport, because most people are not doing it as a sport. Right. Um, I mean, how many people do you see warming up before they go skydiving? Oh, you no. Know? No, no. And, and, that's, and that's what I want to get at. Like, you know, I have now started really treating myself more, more professionally, sure. especially in forms sure. of, you know, athleticism. And like, I can get a, probably a really hard opening if I'm properly warmed up and I have the right amount of muscle in the right places, it's not going to be so much damage on me. But, you know, if I'm this little weak sponge and I don't, I just get out of bed and probably I haven't slept much more than four hours and drank five beers the night before. And then I get a hard opening. Like, come on, obviously your neck's going to hurt. Oh, it's yeah. like, you don't need to. So, um, it, it, I hope that I don't want to preach about it by all means. I, I really don't. I, I just do my thing nowadays and I realize that the more I exercise and the more I learn about movement and breathing and all these things, the better I feel, the better the skydiving is, the, the less I'm scared of getting injured, you know, even on landings. Like, yeah, so I crash, I face plant, whatever. I have a, a tank of muscle that is protecting me. Yeah. Well, I, I don't. I'm skinny as shit, but I mean, still, <laughs> you know, you get the. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, and I look back too, because I was really bad about that as well. I was a, a gym rat, but uh, never learned to stretch, never did anything like that, and went straight into skydiving with, again, no warming up before skydiving. And I remember um, on one of my visits to um, Eloy, walking through the packing mat, and it was Sean McCormick and a whole bunch of other people he was leading doing yoga. And I remember walking past him thinking, the fuck are they doing let's go skydive and now all these years later all i can think is oh fuck i wish i'd have done yoga with sean mccormick <laughs> yeah absolutely man i mean i i started getting really into yoga like now over the last year and in the beginning it's more ah this is actually quite cool to get flexible but then the more you learn about it there's a whole science behind it and that's even that's the, like an under exaggeration there's not even a science behind it it's like it's crazy what yoga actually is in its foundation like when it comes down to the whole breathing the whole religion behind it all of that man i'm i'm getting i'm careful i'm not going too spiritual but i'm starting to understand that there is a whole thing that i have never understood and i'm far from understanding anything about it you know and and it's quite interesting i started understanding my breathing a little bit better and I start getting more comfortable in certain things that I, it's, it's cool, you know, sure. and with, with that, the strength and flexibility is increasing. And with that, I wake up feeling better and I go to sleep better and I fly better, man. I have better body awareness. I, 
Of like course. Like I said, I don't want to preach it. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's fucking cool. It's a great thing to preach. Um, for me, it's kind of funny because I'll go do the yoga classes and I'm stereotypical fucking guy for my age. As soon as they ring the little gong and start saying, Om, I'm like, can you get me the fuck out of here? So I decided yeah. I need a yoga class for people that hate yoga. They just need to call it, go in a room and get bendy, and then I'm in. But as soon as they ring the gong, yeah. I, I just, for whatever reason, my, my my borderline toxic masculinity won't allow me to fucking sit and chant. I can't do it. <laughs> so. well. You know, for, for me, something that really, like, so where it all started really is um, there is a program online that's called Move You. They have a really cool Instagram, like Move and then a You. Mm. Um, and I did that program like one and a half years ago. And in that program, it's quite, I mean, you're really learning to connect your mind to the body and how, how the body mechanics are mm. and how they're supposed to be and how muscle work. And it's quite, it, it's almost like you're doing a, a physiotherapy course okay. on yourself and learn to fix your own shit. It's really, really cool. And that's how I kind of started realizing that, ah, so this is actually what I need. This is how I can stretch. This is what I need to stretch and so on. And I was still very much like you with regards to yoga. It's like the, the hocus pocus spiritual stuff is, I have no interest in it. Right. But there's this, there's this other website now that I found not so long ago called Alum Moves. It's like a yoga portal almost. I'm sure you got some advertisement somewhere on your Instagram or whatever. <laughs> like they're they're all over it. Sure. But there is one there is one trainer. He's called Dylan Warner, and that guy is. I mean, I have an, a full on gay male crush on that dude. Like it is, <laughs> it's so fucking hot. It is ridiculous, man. You know. But the guy comes from a wrestling background, so he's he's strong. Sure. Like uh, he learned like. Uh, I, I don't know his biography by heart, but like he knows his shit. He's been doing yoga 10 years and he's a beast. So he has non, because there are so much different kinds of yoga, right? And, and his kind of yoga is very, very, very physical. Like it's not, it's not letting you think <laughs> and it is raping you, man. So it's just like, and the guy's just cruising, you know, like he's holding this like one arm plank, like, I, then he does that and he's just like not losing his breath, not doing this. And it kind of motivated me to be like, okay, like how can this guy like legitimately like do what he's doing, like in full splits, twist his upper body around. Right. He's still looking super beautiful, like has this amazing body, super well shaped and he has ridiculous strength. I mean like ridiculous one arm handstands and splits and whatnot, right? And so that kind of opened, opened up my eyes being like, well, I have those interests that he has, the wrestling that he used to do and all of these things, but he figured out how to keep his body healthy. Sure. He figured out how to use his strength plus flexibility plus all of these things, and he made himself a superhuman. And then well, I connect to being like really useless in flying. I mean, holy shit, how can it be an excuse that all the guys are like, well, flexibility yeah. is a girl thing? It's like, no, it's not. What do you mean, like, go to gymnastics, show me one guy that can't do full splits. Well, now for you too, um, especially having done martial arts younger and jujitsu and stuff like that, and now getting into yoga and all that, that's got to tie in so well to your tunnel flying because 
the body awareness that you have to have for the things that you're doing in the tunnel as just over the top. I mean, you're, especially if you're coaching as well, and I'd imagine you'll be the first to agree to this, that uh, coaching people ups your game even that much more because you now have to break down what it is you're doing, which a lot of people don't have to do. Well, with the body awareness that you've got to have doing those sports as well as coaching, I mean, it must be wonderful for you. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I, like I said in the beginning of this conversation, uh, when it comes to coaching, it's, it's really a, a matter of experience, I think, right? Like experience and teaching go hand in hand. You can be really smart and good at what you do, but only experience in teaching is going to make you a better teacher. So sure. even if you have a gift for it, um, and of course it all goes hand in hand. Uh, for example, that's going back also to when you said about the body types. Sorry to fuck up your, your story. <laughs> again. But um, the, the body types, I mean, there is for sure some, some body types that make, make things easier, some, you know, weight distributions and so on. Um, but long story short, I think that everybody can learn to fly. Uh, sure. There is a, a perfect technique for, for, for flying and so on. And of course, and obviously, the better your body awareness is, the better you're gonna learn how to fly. As an example, if you got super, super, super tight, I don't know, hip flexors, to the point that you cannot even rotate your pelvis forward and backward. I mean, obviously you're not gonna really learn how to arch in its most basic form. If, I'm not saying that you even ever need to arch, but whatever, <laughs> right? Like I mean, if, if, you, if you're physically limited to do certain movements, like you don't need to go spend a thousand bucks and try to become movable in the tunnel. You know what I'm saying? Like, right figure it out elsewhere and come back when you figure it out. So obviously the more you, you, you're doing outside of the tunnel, the more puzzle pieces you have, the more the puzzle is going to become, you know, like uh, shiny and beautiful inside sure. of the tunnel. And you can see that on, on all the people that actually have, um, for example, a good, a good skateboarding background, they usually learn flying really well, not because they have skill in the tunnel, but because they have balls of steel. They don't care about hitting the wall because they're used to hitting the staircase five times or five times per minute. They're just like right. face playing all the time. So there's that element of feel. Like, you know, there's, there's components. So if you have done sports where you've mastered or not mastered, but like learned to not give a shit about falling, right? And you've, you've I don't know, swam and like where you, you play with a different element and so on. Like, obviously, there is a bunch of things that are going to connect in the tunnel really well, too. But if all you do every day is CrossFit, which right. transfers to absolutely nothing, I think, then probably you're not going to learn to fly as good as the guy who spends five hours a day on his breathing and yoga and just tries to feel his left little pinky toe. Probably that guy's <laughs> going to have a better awareness in the tunnel, too. You know, like, obviously, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I completely agree. Now, for you, especially in the tunnel, you've, you've kind of, I mean, I've watched you fly many, many times and you and a handful of people have, have taken it next level beyond a doubt. Guys like you and Rob Jones and, and, uh, I just, I should, I can name way too many that are just flying in ways that I can't even break down. Where for you did it start that you're like, all right, fuck, I am, I'm almost that good. And I think I can push cause you've won God knows how many championships now. You're defending titles left and right. So where was it? Where did you just wake up and go, I could be the best? Um, it's actually really strange because it's like, it's like memento. It's like going backwards almost because at the beginning, it was kind of more a matter of proving yourself, I suppose. Or not really, but it was just nice to get acknowledgement when you're young and new in the sport. 
And it's always easy to say you don't care about it anymore because you already have it, right? But what I'm trying to get at is that at this point now, I, I get more joy from going to fly with a friend or going to zoom around or, or just flying around by myself and playing with new things. The competition is, it's part of the job. That's how I see it at this point. Now, I really think that now, currently, I really don't want to go compete. I don't want to go and measure myself with others and uh, especially because a few of the people in competition are usually my students and I don't want to go compete against the people that I'm teaching because it, I don't know, there's just something weird about it. But sure. long story short, in the, in the beginning, it was more, it just started. It was just like, oh, cool, there's a competition. So why don't we just go there and, and see what happens? And we actually ended up doing well. And and then I started really enjoying that the, the rush you get from competition. And actually, I really enjoyed the fact that when you prepare for competition, you have these insane training camps. You're doing a month where you just go tunnel from morning to evening. That's all you think. And so obviously you progress a lot. So each time you prepare for a competition, you also progress immensely. Just like when you have a tunnel camp and all you do is teach, teach, teach. Like you mentioned before, your brain is just in that element, like breaking stuff down. So it's the same. Your brain is just evolving. Um, but I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, you, you can mention many names. I, I think for me, there is there is very few people in the flying industry that, that have this, I want to call it an obsession to perfection. Mm. Like they're not content ever, you know? And I think I never told myself I want to be the best by all means. I think it was always just that I knew that I suck. <laughs> Everybody else sucks that much more. That's kind of how I saw it. Okay. And, and so it was like, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's just, you, you can see that every one month you feel like you are so much better than the month before. And that gives you a great sense of satisfaction. But it also shows you that if you can progress that much in one month, then how far can I take it in the next year or the next two years? And, and dude, every year I progress so much, especially mentally. I learned so much about my flying that it's like an endless thing. So um, I, 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 I really appreciate and I really like it when people say that I fly good and when, when people are like almost admire it, it's great. But I have to be honest that for me myself, it's like I'm, I'm really um, kind of the better I get, the more I understand about flying, the more anal I get with myself and I'm just like ah like frustrated with myself and I'm like why can I not wiggle my left pinky you know like, come on like, well I mean I think the first time that I met you we ended up doing a few jumps together I don't know if they were tracking jumps or whatever and you just came off as this stupid tall ridiculous guy that was having a fucking great time and he was a really good skydiver but I mean you know at my level of skydiving I don't get to see how amazing someone is in the sky because I'm too busy flailing around on my own and it was funny because you'd give me tips in the funniest way about this that or the other thing but I didn't know who the fuck you were until the first time I saw you fly in the tunnel and I'm like, oh, oh, but, okay. <laughs> but, but, but that's way, way, like for me, that's really, I mean, again, it's nice to get acknowledgement, right? Sure. But it's nothing worse than, or I, I will put it in a different way. The people that are the most arrogant are the ones that suck the most. And the people usually <laughs> that have, that are the most humble are the ones that are the best at what they do. Yes. It's kind of it, it, in any sport you can see that. So I suppose that the more acknowledgement that I got and the better that I actually felt myself in my own skin, like, you know, the more I acknowledged my own flying, the less 
of a little coffee punk I became. I hope I, I sure. hope I can say it like that. And I think that when we met at that point, I was very much on already in this like, I don't give a shit what people think. I just want to skydive. I just want to fly and all right. and all. Dude, I I was like going up to the most like some random person with 20 jumps. I just wanted to jump and swoop. I didn't care at that point, you know. So. And, and so it was a really, really, I don't know where it came from, but it was beautiful because it taught me that there is so much more than just, I don't know, winning a competition or being told that you're good, sure. you know, because you see you're bringing joy to others by just going with them or you are just having a good time. Like, fuck it. Nobody cares who you are. Like, imagine you're a good tunnel flyer, like put it in its most basic way. You turn in circles. That's all you do. Maybe you do a layout. So you, you're still turning in circles upwards, vertically or laterally. Who cares? That's what you do. So the moment you walk out of that tunnel building, you cannot do anything. If a guy is dying in front of you, you're meaningless. <laughs> right. So, so that, real, that realization changed a lot of things for me. Like in the end, I'm, I'm not doing anything. I, inside the community, it's cool. People acknowledge it. Sure. And, and for myself, I enjoy doing it. But I'm not a doctor, you know. And I have such an insane respect to a good doctor like we spoke about before. Sure. When somebody, when somebody cares and has this like, he can save your life. It's so cool. And yeah. so, so in a way, it, it humbled me down a lot when I came to that realization that like, it doesn't make you a rock star to turn in circles. It, for it's sure. cool, but that's about it. Like, you know, so you cannot do it for anybody except for yourself because in the end, it's kind of quite an absurd thing. You, you're, yeah, like, no, no. You're, and I completely yeah. agree. And I'm, I, I guess I'm lucky in that when you and I met, you must have been past the cocky part because you were just this fucking goofy guy that clearly wanted to have a good time. And that was the thing that uh, that probably struck me the most, uh, both in the way that you were skydiving and when I saw you flying in the tunnel, is that as good as you were, what came through for me more than anything was that you were having fun because I know people that are amazing skydivers and amazing flyers but they don't appear to be having a good time at it or enjoying it because they're so focused and I, I, it sounds to me like you went through that phase and came out the backside of it going oh fuck but what I do is also really fun because that's exactly. how it seemed to me you know and and I think that was probably the most uh, attractive trait personality wise was that you just seemed to be digging what you were doing um, and not that many people that are that fucking good are just goofy about it maybe <laughs> But, but again, there is there is also the, the, the part where you are a goofball, you're enjoying your life, and then there's doing your job. I mean, uh, you know, it's like being a doctor, like when you're slicing somebody open, you better be serious in that moment, but you sure. don't have to be serious when you're having a drink with your friends. And in skydiving, we're quite fortunate that we can connect it to, you know, we can be goofy and still, you know, be serious at the same time. I mean... Um, I'm I'm pretty strict and anal when I'm coaching people, but it doesn't mean that I'm yelling at them and like mean, you know, I can still smile and be happy and so on. And sure. I can still tell them to, to do something precisely. So, um, so yeah, I mean, the only thing that I can say for sure is that what the, the, the more you do it, like it's, it is hard to keep the fun of things going when it becomes your everyday job. So um, I was and am fortunate that I have the tunnel because it allows me to not need skydiving for work. Mm -hmm. So I can leave that to just have fun. And that kind of has always been that way. Nice. You know, of course, I did, some, I did some coaching and load organizing and so on in the skydiving for, for a few years. And I'm getting back into that probably soon. But um, skydiving, I have tried to keep it my, my fun part, you know. And uh, the tunnel, 
I can tell you the truth. It's it sometimes is it's hard to motivate myself to go and fun fly with a friend. Like somebody comes by and is like, hey, you want to go fly with me? It's like, bro, I flew 20 hours in the last one week and all I did was back layouts. And right now I just want to, I don't know, like do something different, you know? Sure. And um, in a way it was like, I go through phases. It goes through phases, man. Like uh, there's phases. And sometimes I just like, I'm like, yeah, it's really cool. I, I really enjoy it, but I want to go skateboard now. Sure. You know, it's like, fuck well, it. I want to skate. Man, it would be exactly the same as after a long week of flying, I had a buddy come up and ask me to go hop in the plane and go buzzing around. No, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. But same thing. It doesn't, it doesn't mean you don't enjoy flying. It exactly. just means that It just means you've got your, your amount that made you happy, and now you want to go do some other thing that is going to make you also happy, right? Exactly. Like, you don't want to stagnate. And... Um, <laughs> Now, now uh, um, you're in Europe now. The the uh, virus is backing off a little bit, and you're getting a little bit more freedom in Europe. Anyway, I know it's uh, it's not that way in the states. Uh, but what are your plans now moving forward with the summer? Have you got events coming up and and shit you're looking forward to now that you you know aren't in the hospital and? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I hope I don't need like a all you can hospital card or something like that, man. Like there was a moment I was like, maybe I can just get like a, like a one year uh, pass or some shit like that. No, but um, things are going good. I suppose I do see that it's going bad in some places, like you said, in the States uh, and they're not going to shut down the economy again, I'm guessing. So it can only go worse than the last time if it really explodes. But I don't know what to think about it, man. I mean, for all I know is that I had a positive Corona test while I had a half collapsed lung and I was doing fucking fantastic. So I'm skeptical about it all. And sure. I hope that it's, it's not as bad as it seems to be. And yes, the old people are more suffering than the young. And I had a conversation with a, you, with a friend of yours, with Hannah. She's here in Poland right now. Okay. And, and so we spoke about it yesterday. And she was like, basically, it sounds sad, but at least the young people aren't dying so much. And it's a, it's a true fact. But um, like not, not deviating from the point so much. My plans, I mean, I'm going a little bit step by step because I have started planning some stuff again and it got kind of twisted around because i mean for example i tried to do a tunnel camp but then people from the states cannot come yet people cannot take time off their work so easily because they haven't worked for three months and so now work is not giving them time off and so i'm not planning too much because it's pointless sure. um I have, I have a few things that are like planned schedule <laughs> right but i, I stopped believing that it's a hundred percent if you know what i mean i'm like i'm okay if it's not gonna happen kind of uh i, I would like to have some coaching slowly again because i mean i haven't worked since february sure but um, but man like i just bought a car because I, had, I i thought then at least i have something to do and um it also gives me the freedom to go to all the skydiving events that i want to go to and so on because i had a long break from skydiving mm. um i jumped here and there a little bit but not really frequently and i Told myself last year I want to get back into skydiving a lot, and then I broke my knee in in, in jujitsu, yeah. and um, the knee got good. Then the lung started uh, being a bitch, but that's good now. So now right. it's like you know, it's time for skydiving. So nice. I go, I go to the north of Poland uh, on Sunday, so in a few days, and then I have a week of jumping there. Uh, if the weather is shit, I go kite surf, and uh, my my car is nothing finished. It's completely empty, but I'm still gonna do my first trip with it. And, yeah, so uh, wait, you bought this car as a, you said it's a bit of a project, it's a fixer-upper? It's, it's just a, it's a completely empty car with nothing inside. So I'm like right now doing all the installation and I am as 
retarded with constructing and woodwork and all of that as you could ever possibly imagine. So it's kind of like a project for me to to do something that I've never done, let's say, right? And I mean, I can tell you, I spent today four hours just trying to find wood. And <laughs> I went to the store and, and, and the problem is not that they all don't have wood, it's that I somehow started working on the idea that it's gonna be two centimeters, but they all have like two and a half centimeter wood things and I just screwed myself over, but it's good, you know, I'm learning. And that's, that's why I have it, let's say, you know? And, and of course I have it because I would really enjoy having that freedom uh, of going to any event and anything that I want to go to, sure. even if they're going to sure. be uh, canceling flights again because of Corona and who knows what's going to happen this year, right? So at least with a car, I can just hop in, drive to a lake, do my life, kite surf, do some stuff, whatever there is to do, you know? Well, yeah, because you've so got a lot of stuff outside of air sports in the tunnel that you do as well. You mentioned kite surfing. You're a surfer as well, aren't you? Yeah, I surf quite a lot. It's it's recent. I started like three, three, four years, three years ago, four years. Yeah, three, whatever, a few years ago. And um, <laughs> I got pretty stuck on it. I like I like surfing. I don't like people in surfing very much. Not much. It's a very arrogant asshole sport. Like everybody's yeah. just all, like in a bad mood and you took my wave. And it's like, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> so I enjoy surfing to myself. It's not it's not my favorite uh, environment but right. i enjoy the like the the surfing and i like being in the ocean um when it comes to the the people i much prefer skateboarding you know you go to the skate park and everybody's like cruising in a good mood and like uh you, you know i don't know you drop in on somebody by accident or you fall in front of somebody's face and they'll help you up and laugh and be like don't worry you know like it's i like that kind of mood much more sure so well and I, 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 that's I more of, of it man. That's more of a skydiver mentality is, I mean, I don't know too many skydivers that get too pissed off about things, obviously, unless it's something serious. But for the most part, we're a pretty lighthearted group. So I've yeah, had that definitely. comparison made to surfing quite a few times that uh, surfing yeah. definitely is that uh, um, territorial, you know, you yeah. stole my wave. This is my break kind of bullshit. But again, you go to, uh, like, I, I have a good friend that I, I guess I, I have to say I met him through surfing. He's also a skydiver for, like, many 25 years or so, and he's, like, my surf mentor. And ever since the beginning, he just told me, like, dude, just shut up and surf. <laughs> and, and I didn't understand it so much in the beginning, but, like, the moral of the story is going back to this, like, the better you are, the more humble you're going to be. And, and you can see it on the pro surfers that are going to be in the water with you. You don't hear them say anything, like, they're just going to be better than you and surf better and then they don't have any problems and that's it. Yeah. And if somebody comes in front of you, you just go like, hey, don't worry. Like, I mean, it's a mentality thing. And in the surfing community, it's a, it's a bit of this arrogance and asshole behavior. And, but we can get lost in that conversation. But <laughs> yes, skydiving is cool as well. I agree. For that, skydivers are, are usually good. Um, so now- I, I, Yeah, I, I like skydiving, but... Uh, I like it all, man. It's got to be a mixture. I mean, I'm so fortunate to have my, my best friend, my my mentor in flying. You met him in Abu Dhabi, Ramsey, Fabian Ramsey. Yeah. I mean, the guy is 40. The guy is kicking my ass left, right, and center in every single thing that we could possibly do. Like, it's just annoying as fuck. Like, now he told himself he's going to learn skating. He broke his knee. Actually, we had both broken knees more or less at the same time. And he came back. And he's like, you know, he's like doing kick flips and heel flips and everything now, like, which I, I'm still sucking at. So he's just like this 40 year old dude who's not stopping, who's just like going for a 10 kilometer run in the morning and then skating and riding the bike for two hours. So I'm like, I have no excuse. No. <laughs> it's awesome though. I mean, it's, you know, it's, the guy's it's, it's great. It's, 
it's guys like him that are constant motivation, both for younger and older people. Because I'm older than him. I'm 50, 51, shit. Um, and I'll see younger guys that are going super hard, and I'll see older guys than me that are going super hard. And all I think is, oh, fuck, I can't slow down now. I got to keep going. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, I can see on him this, like, if you if you let this inner child legitimately unleash, right, like, you just don't hold it back. Like, even if you've lost it because yeah. you had a serious job and so on, I guess that's why many people get into skydiving. But but it's not just skydiving. Like, I can see it on him. It's you let this inner child come back out. Or you never let it die in the first place. You stay young in the mind and the body. Like he's so fit. Of course, he's training very hard to stay fit. And of course, he probably wakes up with pain in the morning sometimes and so on. But he's a kid. And that's awesome. Bro. That's what you've got to try to maintain. And of course, again, we go back to this. Like, yeah, if you're at your job, maybe you can still be a kid, but you've got to do your job good. No, you don't have to. It doesn't mean you have to have a frown on your face. And you get the point, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it motivates me people like that or to see him like just keep pushing and being happy with what he has and it's good it's a good role model for me same he taught me most of what i know in flying you know like he's very much the guy that's making the flying for me how it is like even things that he might not be able to do because it's some acrobatic stuff that i just have more in my blood because i've done stuff in my past sure like he'll still be able to look at it and tell me what i need to do to make it better you know like he's a real like a real teacher so it's, it's nice to have him around to you got to have somebody like that, right? I mean, somebody that motivates you a little bit and kind of can aim you in the right direction, but definitely somebody to, uh, um, I don't know, not necessarily look up to, but aspire to at least emulate that type of thing. I mean, those are the amazing people. Well, that's, uh, that's the difference between uh, in, in sports, for example, between having a teacher or a mentor. Yeah. You could, you could put those two words on it, right? I mean... Now we're, devi- we're going away from the point of Ramsey, but in any sport or anything you do, you need to have not somebody like that's just your teacher, but somebody that you admire, look up to. Um, you, you strive to be like that person because, not because he's telling you you should, but just because he's doing his life and you admire it and you, you, he's leaning by example and you want to follow the example, right? Yeah, so you don't need to follow 100%, but I mean, it's good to have, like you said, like an inspiration. You go like, okay, even if it's just for the fact that you said, like, holy shit, the guy just got injured and he's still pushing and he's smart about it and this and that. And then you're like this little punk and you're going like, well, this 10 year old, 10, this, this guy 10 years older than me, he's figured it out. I just got to yeah. go in those footsteps. And then it's, it's good to have some person to look up to, like you say, exactly. Well, and that's one of the great things that I've always uh, enjoyed about the sport as well as you've got so many people that bring those qualities in one way or another, so many different backgrounds and different uh, ways of thinking but all these positive traits from different people and if you're smart you get to kind of sit back and just cherry pick these amazing traits and try and bring and them in you know the truth and as a younger skydiver flyer i didn't understand that and i'm only now starting to get that and i'm looking at people like you or man there's people that have they, like you said exactly they have so much life experience and because they're like Humble is the wrong word, but just because they don't go out and shouting at everybody all how cool they are, right. you don't even question it. But the fucking stories they have, the knowledge, the wisdom they have, you know? Right. So it's, it's cool and it's true. In the skydiving, we have a, a, a pretty big variety of different humans oh, and yeah. of kids and of smart people and of skilled people and so on and so on. And I mean, even if a person is not skilled, there's probably a, a lot of cool things you can learn from that thing anyway. Sure. Oh, yeah. That, 
Like, well, that's, uh, maybe- that's probably one of my favorite things, especially at my age in the sport now, because I've been in skydiving for 25 years. The majority mm-hmm. of people that I um, admire and look up to in regard to skill and personality and the way that they navigate the sport in the world are fucking younger than me. And that's cool. I really enjoy looking up to people that are doing it better than I did when I was at their age. Because all I can think is, holy shit, and, and you're a great example. If if I've got, I'm watching somebody that's doing something at this level at their age, where do they, where are they going to take it? Um, and I've said it before, my biggest uh, claim to fame in skydiving isn't anything that I've done. It's the friends that I've accumulated along the way that have done these fucking incredible things. The coolest thing yeah. about me is my friends. <laughs> I'll be the first it's one to true. say it. Man, I, I, know, I hear you, yeah. And it's it, it's, it, it's what, what you say makes so much sense. Like For me, I, I feel the same a little bit. Like I mean, I, I, only, I wish that I had the same mentality that I have now, but 10 years ago, sure. where all I want to be is like a, a hardcore athlete. I just want to train eight hours a day, be a, a tank, and just, just be healthy. And I guess now it's not too late to do that, but it's too late to do that and make money from like, you know, you cannot compare yourself to an NBA player when they're 20, they're in their prime is going hard. So um, it's one of the reasons that now I've, I've somewhat switched my mentality in the last year, I guess a lot, the last two years and find a lot of joy from teaching the kids. But again, I don't want to teach. I want to just like, even if I hate myself for it, I hate or not myself, I hate doing it. I don't want to wake up at seven o'clock and run 10 kilometers. Right. But if I do, and this kid is seeing me do it, they're going to be like, fuck, I got to do that too. If I want to be good, I go. So, so man, believe me, I don't want to go for a run at 7 a.m., but I have to because it's going to show what to do. And, you know, um, it, it's kind of slowly my focus is drifting in that direction a little bit. I just want to go way more in, in the mentoring direction and just being like, yeah, but look, you know, I'm doing that. So if you want to become good or if you want to pass me, you got to go twice as hard as that. Sure. Because well, I have 10 years of experience on you. So if you want to pass me, like even if you're a little punk of 18 and like your body can do amazing things, you got to you got to at least do as much as me. Otherwise, you have no chance. And absolutely. That's kind of where I'm at right now. I want to just like uh, give the new generation. I hope that I can guide them into the next level of where I will never be able to go anymore, you know? Absolutely. Well, that's kind of the cool thing, too, because, I mean, you pretty much hit the top of the pyramid in your sport, having done things, at least when you were doing them, that just were, up, I mean, absolutely mind-blowing. And so for you to shift oh, from... Done, bro. I'm not done. Oh, of course you're just... not done. <laughs> of course you're not done. But you hit that when you were all about competing and to have reached that level and now shifted to, I want to share this and give back as well as pushing myself. Man, that's just, yeah. the, that's the cool shit. That's the gravy right there. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I'm still going to compete mostly though, not for me, but because in a strange way, I feel responsible. Like I told you before, I feel like it's the job. If I don't go compete and show what I think it should be, then it's only going to be, I mean, at least I can do an interpretation. And you saw it last year when I won this world championship in freestyle. Who knows if it was the right decision? Mm-hmm. But it was just for, for enough years, people said this flying is how it should be. And so the judges were brainwashed enough to give me the title. But um, what I'm trying to say is if I don't go compete, then what I think competition should be is not going to be displayed. Sure. And at least if I go, that's part of my job. I can, one, I have to train, I have to stay fit, I have to stay in the top level, you know, like, and so on. 
but I can also show what I want to show. Sure. And those kids that care or that like it, they're going to be inspired by it. They're going to take some of it. And you can see that happening. And so in a way, I can see just by going to competition, there is a small piece of me that is like spreading to everybody else. And you sure. see, and it's super cool to see. So it's... Well, it's uh, also- the last time I saw you in a tunnel, you had said something along the lines of, yeah, I'm not super fired up about competition, but I still know I've got so much to give that I think it's important yeah. that I do that. Uh, yeah. Which is... I mean, it's like that's- that. It's pretty fucking cool, really. I mean, because there's a lot of people that would just go, I'm on top, fuck you guys, figure it out on your own. And for you to want to give it back, is it's a big deal. It really is. Yeah. I mean, it's also, you can see that a lot of people are, I think in English you call it resting on their laurels, right? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, um, you should you should always give the opportunity to end. Like, I mean, right now, like you, you mentioned before, I, I won quite a few competitions. So if the same competition happens again, even if you don't want to, you should give the next person the opportunity to take the crown from you. Yeah, it's for like sure. Exciting, you, know? like you, you don't want to just be like, all right, I want the belt. Now fuck all of you. You got to be like, all right, so the next person that wants the belt has got to fight me. And by all means, with all the respect, like take it from me if you can. You know? Yeah. Well, that was one thing I never <laughs> understood about people in competitions. Um, you used a bit of a boxing analogy there, and I never understood that as well, um, that somehow – losing the title after you've won it takes away from the fact that you won it. I never understood that. If you won the world championship in, you know, in 2010 but lost it in 2011, that doesn't take away from the fact that you won it in 2010. So I never understood, which is why I like your mentality of, all right, come get it, motherfucker. And if you got it, and you'll be the first, you know, you'll be the first one to shake their hands, give them a high five and say good job. Course, yeah, one hundred percent. I'm not saying I want to lose. It's not it. But, no, of course not. Uh, but you've got to. I, I mean, for me, it's also easy because a lot of these these people that would potentially take the title from me are people that I'm trying to teach. I'm giving them my secrets, <laughs> and a lot of people are gonna say that's retarded because you're gonna make it easier for them to take the title from you. It's like no, you misunderstand. By giving them my shit. I have to continue stepping up my game because otherwise they're going to pass me to the tomorrow. Right. So I give them my stuff. I let them play with it. And that forces me to step it up, step it up, step it up. That's- otherwise, you know, it keeps pushing the sport in itself. If I keep, pu- if I give it to them, they're going to push it further. So I have to push it even further. So it's that's, really cool. That's like the ultimate gangster move. Here's all my tricks. <laughs> I'm going to give you everything I've got. Now come try and get it from me. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, but it's like that. It's, it's got to be like that. Not only tricks, but I mean, it's like tricks are one thing and flying and skill is another thing. Uh, in, not, in, not in flying in anything. There was a, it's, how do I put this? It, it, you can have a guy, I read something from like Ido Portal once. He was describing this, like his, his idea from trick versus skill, where somebody can be able to do, a, I don't know, a handstand or a backflip, let's use a backflip as an example. Uh, he can do a backflip and a lot of people will interpret that as like, wow, he has a lot of skill, but it's just, that's all he's got. He, he's done a bunch of backflips, so he figured out how to do it. But it doesn't mean that he's gonna actually have like, you know, transfer that skill into anything else. Sure. Or it doesn't mean he's just gonna learn a handstand just like that. Yeah. So the goal should not be learning a trick. It should be having the skill to do whatever you want. And in flying, it's become that for me now. It's, it's having a skill of flying with which you can do whatever you want. Hmm. You can go fly in a 14 and a 16 or a 32 footer tunnel hmm. and you can go skydive or you can go swim with that skill even, you know, like 
it has to be transferable. It has to sure. be skill. And then it's going to be so easy to show you my tricks. I'm going to be like, well, look, you know how to do that because I showed it to you here already. So now just do it this way. And then they're going to be like, bam, 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 bam. So giving them the skill, it's even more than giving them the trick. So sure. You're giving them your, your feeling and your knowledge, your, your technique. And so it's even one step ahead of what you said, where you give people a trick and then say, come get it. It's right. like, I'm giving you my feeling. I'm giving you my knowledge. So make something more of it. <laughs> but even if you do, I'm still going to be a step ahead. And that's the goal. So, I got to like give you everything and still be ahead. That's awesome, yeah. though. Well, and it's got to be a super cool feeling to you know be in competition with someone that you trained. That's just got to be cool because basically it's just an extension of your own skills transferred to uh, you know someone else that's found that passion, which is that's pretty awesome. For sure. For yeah. sure. But it's it's only now slowly that I can actually say that there are people that I have taught enough to consider them like, like so that I can really see a piece of me in them. Because in flying, um, like I haven't had much of like a full on mentorship. There's maybe less than a handful of people that I can legitimately say like they're like my students and I can see myself in them. Mm. And um in the flying industry, a lot of people are going to go to a bunch of different coaches and try to take this trick from that guy and this trick from this guy. Going back to what I was saying, like, there's a reason that if, if you throw me anything or any whatever, like you go fly in the tunnel, I will be able to do anything just because I have the, the foundational sure. sense of what, what flying is supposed to be and how it works. And so I can do anything with that. So, um, I mean, for me, the goal, of course, is gonna is having more students that I can really say over the course of three years, they're becoming mini, not mini me's. They don't have to be like me, but they have to have my, my technique and do with it whatever they want. Sure. And so a few people have that. A few students of mine, whether they're a little bit older or a little bit younger, there is a few kids now that are coming up hard. Oh, dude. And I can, okay, so I started coaching him three, four years ago and I can start seeing it all pay off like, like legit, you know, that's a really cool feeling for sure. Oh, it's got to be. Well, in the kids, let's not yeah. even get started on that. I, I actually interviewed one of the kids in the U.S. Uh, uh, from the Kennett family who's just amazing. And you see him in the tunnel, and, and I'll see videos. It just – it's obscene that kids that have never seen a rig and, and can't skydive for another eight years because they're not old enough are better in free fall than I am, and I've got fucking 12,000 jumps. Yeah. <laughs> and I find that actually – I mean, this is me as a tunnel rat speaking. Um, I have completely differentiated between skydiving and tunnel flying at this point. Like it's for a me, they world. have almost nothing to do with one another. Yeah, you know? it's a like, different world. Of course, they have, of course they have. But if you want to go into tunnel flying, it's not skydiving. Like it's just, it's, it's a different element. And one transfers into the other very well. Even skydiving transfers into tunnel flying. And I can, like it's for sure, but... Um, you don't need to skydive to fly in the tunnel nowadays, right? That's what I mean with the kids. They don't need to be skydivers. And, and honestly, I can see it on most good tunnel flyers. For what I consider good skydiving, they suck balls. <laughs> they do not have the skill to transfer one into the other. And that's, again, going to the tricks. They just repeated stuff so much in their little 14-footer tube that it, it looks like it works in there. But it doesn't because you can see it not transferring anywhere else. Right. And... Um, that's again going to this trick versus skill thing. Sure. Uh, so sure. most of most of the kids, they're flying good visually from the outside because people just have seen this kind of flying. So they say, ah, this kid can do the same. 
But my goal now is to make these kids not just have the, the tricking, oh, I can throw a flip twist, or, oh, I can turn in a circle, but like I want to deliver what the actual concept of flying is, right? Sure. That's what I mean again. Like That's this mentoring part where I have a few cool students and kids now that are coming up and you go like, yeah, but even if now to most people this looks the same as that other kid, it's not, sure. and you will understand in a year. And well, then you're going to be like, <sighs> yeah, for sure. Now, now let me ask you, uh, always towards the end of the podcast, I ask people um, about people coming into the sport and going out of the sport. And since you're primarily the tunnel, we'll talk about that. Um, for people, especially the young ones, just thinking they want to get into flying in the tunnel um, and they're watching the stuff that you're doing and then they want to go that direction, what advice do you give them? One advice, and that's probably the most important, is don't get stuck on the idea of tunnel flying, especially kids. There is there is a reason that I am good at tunnel flying and it is not only tunnel flying. Mm. It is because I have done all of the other things before, like we spoke in this podcast, that all the puzzle pieces, they ended up being perfect for tunnel flying. Mm. And of course, then it became tunnel flying in itself. But if you get into flying too early, it's uh, that's not the solution, I think. You need to stay like, um, what's the word? You know, like uh, versatile? Like diverse. you need to- Yeah, keep it diverse. You need to do all of it. That's it. So that's that's the tip number one. You want to get in the tunnel, stay diverse, and be an athlete. Which means it's not because you go fly ten minutes a day that you can call yourself an athlete and have a cool Instagram page. Like, sure. do things. Yeah, like just you want to be cool, then be cool by training. It's like going back to this what I told you in high school. Like all of a sudden, you're cool if you're good in sports. But not because you do one thing. It's because you're just an athlete. You know? Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, ah, so this guy knows how to do that and this and this. And he's good in school and he's doing that. So like, it's like you, you want to be a superhuman. Yeah. And superhuman is not because you can turn in a circle. It's because you can do <laughs> skateboarding and surfing and flying and all. Of, so, you know, like and, and, and especially for the kids, what's important is that they they do it for themselves sure. and not for anybody else. Very cool. Like, you know, you should, and, and nowadays, there is so much dopamine from social media right. that it's understandable that people do it for that. But I guess that's, that's the most important lesson, really. Nice. Uh, I, when you go to high school, don't like, you know, I, I wasn't doing biathlon for anybody but myself because I was interested in learning how to ski and shoot. Right. So, I mean, there was no Instagram, so there was no post about biathlon. And by all means, like, post your progress and do these things, but do it because you want to do it and not because you want to yeah. prove to your friends or because your parents are asking you. Like, just right. do what you feel like doing. Nice. That's it. Well, that's the big thing, yeah. too. Now, now speaking of that, um, with your uh, coaching and all this stuff that you do, is there um, Instagram, is there Facebook? Where do they go to find you, find out where you're going to be, find out what coaching or competitions? What, where do we find you? Well, I have all of that set up, but I'm just terrible at it. But uh, <laughs> but no, that's the other thing. Like I spent, I do some cool things sometimes and I'm like, oh, this would be really cool for Instagram. But I'm like, but I just cannot be bothered stopping <laughs> what I'm doing right now to take a picture of it. Right. I just want to keep it. But so you, you can definitely find me on Instagram, Raphael Schweiger. Uh, you can Google it. I have a website. There's all the camp dates and so on. And. What's the yeah. what's the website or do you know? It's actually rafaelschweiger.com. I wish it was something really inappropriate, but I wanted to be a professional for once, you know. Oh man, <laughs> it's all right. You can always get another website for the rest of us. 
exactly. Yeah, it's like, uh, imagine how proud hey, my mom that, was. Uh, you said the video. You're not recording the video, right? No, no, no video. So, the <laughs> there you go. I'll just <laughs> that. See that right there would be worth recording the video for. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, it would. It would. I had gone further. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Fuck, I was gonna say something funny, and you just screwed it up with your butthole. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, have you heard of Salwin? Oh, yeah, actually, I'm really fucking glad you brought this up. So he's all over my page and uh, um, I put it all over the fucking pilot page and it was going to be on the taglines at the end of this. Uh, but I'm glad you brought it up. Selwyn Facey, a, an amazing friend to so many of us in skydiving and in tunnel flying. One of the biggest, most beautiful maniacs I've ever met from the Isle of Man. I think I've, I've understood eight words that he's ever said to me. Um, <laughs> because his accent is that thick. His wife, Melody, and Selwyn have been friends of mine since uh, the Cross Keys days and shit, 2003. Selwyn fucked, him up, uh, pretty bad, fu fucked himself up pretty bad in an accident under a canopy. I don't know the exact details, and we don't need to go into it. But there is a GoFundMe page link on the fucking pilot page. Please, please, please. He's going to be down for a while. He's got about six months to a year ahead of him of, of some rough times that he needs to get through. And he's got a wife and he's got kid that uh, that needs some help. So please go on this GoFundMe page for Selwyn Facey. Uh, you'll see the picture. He's in a Rasta colored jumpsuit in this picture. And, uh, you know, give everything you can. I know it's really it's tight times right now, but uh, he's one of the good ones. He absolutely needs your help and totally, totally deserves it. So I'm very glad you said something about Selwyn. Yeah, because I only found out about it recently and I'm glad that my butthole uh, brought you to that connection for me. <laughs> but it does pretty much explain who, who Selwyn is. Yeah. That, that we can that kind of connection. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, no. Anybody that knows Selwyn would know that that's not a big leap, that chain of, of thought that just got yeah. us there. I'm, I, I'm still laughing. I'm still laughing at the story, man, that you sent me once. That's the best thing I've ever read. Yeah. Are, now, I, I'll tell Get into it right now. No, no, because he's actually he's not officially ever been outed in that story, and I promised I promised a long time ago that I would never mention that it was him in this story until I got his permission, and I haven't. So, if you, yeah, no, hopefully nobody knows. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. but Raf, no, it's, yeah, it's like I just want to say, it's like you say it's tough times for everybody, but. Uh, yeah. No, man, he's 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 one of the special ones, man. He's he's somebody that really, I mean, he's done so much for so many people in both sports that please, you know, go on the fucking pilot page and uh, give as much as you can to his GoFundMe. In the meantime, Raf, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me. I appreciate you showing me showing me your little pucker. Um, that was that was an interesting way to wrap it up for me. Um, <laughs> I'm glad that you're healthy. I'm glad that the lung is doing good. I'm glad to see that big smile again. And uh, man, I can't, I can't uh, thank you enough. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for uh, for inviting me, man. All right, it's been a pleasure talking to you again. We'll see you. <laughs> we'll see you around, brother. Peace. 
All right, so that is another edition of a Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, and Raf beat me to the punch. Uh, like I said, jocking to him, head to the fucking pilot page. Please find the GoFundMe link uh, to help out Mr. Selwyn Facey. He's a badass in the sky and in the tunnel, and he and the family would appreciate your help as m- more than you can possibly imagine. Uh, Blue Skies also is the magazine that's helping me get this thing going. It's where you're going to want to go. Blueskiesmag.com to subscribe to the magazine if you don't already. Get the previously published issues. Get the swag. All the cool shit. For me, I am the fucking pilot. You will find me at thefuckingpilot.net where you can get both the books that I've written. The uh, Blue Skies magazine fucking pilot book and The Accidental Stripper, both available in digital and print. Also, Liquid Sky. You're going to want to head to Liquid Sky to get the masks, to get the jumpsuits as well. They are badass all the way around. And new, this one's new, Pussfoot. Pussfoot Pussfoot.com. It is basically... Well, it's the coolest new skydiving fucking website out there um, run by a good friend of mine who's literally putting anything and everything you can possibly think of in regard to skydiving all in one spot. Uh, Anything you can possibly think of. It's just a fantastic resource. It's also goddamn hilarious. Head to Pussfoot.com. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's time to give it a shot. Trust me, you're going to enjoy the hell out of it. Again, as always, this was Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. We will see you next time around.